Hello and welcome to another episode of Play All Forward. Uh, today we're doing an interview with uh, game designer Alex, who has a game on Kickstarter right now. Um, you got Jonathan here right now, and uh, you got Mark. Hello. And Alex. Hi. Tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your game design, and maybe a little bit about uh, the game you have on Kickstarter right now. Okay. Um, yeah, so my name is uh, Alex Samoylev, um, and I am a game designer. I make tabletop role-playing games, uh, some LARPs occasionally, although, um, you know, that's, that's sort of a, a rare thing for me usually. Uh, and occasionally some video games, too. Um, and, um, yeah, I currently have uh, a Kickstarter up for the Zine Quest uh, situation that's going on right now uh it's and uh and it's uh the game is called the grizzle uh which is a fun is a fun little fun little game that well little at this point maybe <laughs> isn't the word but it's a fun game that uh i hope that's hopefully going to encourage people to be improvisational and weird but you know with just enough structure there for them to bite into um so yeah, I mean, I think that's a you know that's it in a nutshell. I can uh, go into more details on any particular thing. Yeah, we got a bunch of questions here that it, we'll mostly cover that. But but if there's anything you don't get to sort of express uh, enough, you can go ahead and and add on. So. Okay, well, sounds good. So just uh, kind of for the other designers out there, uh, why did you decide to do? Uh, a Kickstarter for this game? Like, uh, did you envision it as a Kickstarter from the beginning, or, or did it get to a point that you wanted to pursue further? Well, uh, I was I actually started working on this particular game, uh, on the Grizzle, when I was kind of coming off, well, not coming off, coming off of funding my first Kickstarter, which was actually for a video game. Um, I did not uh, I did not yet have plans for anything in particular after that because I again I was just sort of I like to work on like five or six different things at the same time because um, otherwise it just doesn't nothing really congeals otherwise for me um, and that's just kind of my particular work style I guess um, so no I didn't I didn't initially plan to kickstart this uh, in fact this is I think my first tabletop game. That I'm kickstarting. Uh, I have done plenty of other tabletop games that I uh, just straight up published to itch and drive through without any kind of fanfare. Um, but part of the reason is that I did I did see that uh, Zine Quest was happening. I wasn't entirely sure initially what it was because I'm not I don't keep up with things very well. Um, but then I when I found out I'm like oh this this thing that I'm working on would be perfect for that and I need some cash like soon <laughs> so that was kind of it and also i was finished with i fulfilled my last kickstarter so i was kind of free to pursue a new one um at this point you know yeah i mean at least um some of your games and they are very a lot of them fit into that range that that work nice for for zines um yeah i think this is a good one that works well for it too, but in, uh, some of the other that you published in the past would have done just as well for the format. 
Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I mean they're they're relatively small for the most part. I think my biggest one uh, was called Spiral, and that one is um, I think is the first one that I properly like published, published like laid out, and I was working on that one for ages before um, before actually kind of making it a real thing. And that one's a proper like book size RPG. It's like you know. Uh, some like 175 pages um, in the end, but but most of them are pretty digestible, I think. Yeah, right. I'm probably not going to do anything quite as monstrous as that again for a while. <laughs> yeah, you're a pretty prolific designer, actually, as far as uh, little games go. Um, if you check out your itch or or drive through page, how I'm curious how you um, I don't know. I'm sorry, how you keep it up. Uh, like we're all everyone who's part of flail forward is working on a game and maybe done you know one other thing or maybe not uh but you have i don't know a dozen more (laughs) i don't know you have quite a few yeah it's impressive yeah no i think there's about something like 16 published ones i'm not i'm not entirely sure uh i started a couple of years ago i guess um time and space are difficult for me to navigate sometimes um i mean i started i, I started when i was like 12 so not a couple of years ago <laughs> but but i started like putting stuff up on itch and um and drive through and actually like kind of participating uh, a couple of years ago and yeah I, I i tend to be pretty prolific when i make stuff in general but i think underemployment helps with that <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, right? That, yeah, so you know that. Yeah, I got time, um, and and you know my energy levels aren't actually all that high, but I tend to make things in bursts. So um, I guess I kind of learned over the years to be very efficient for like two hours at a time, and then collapse for <laughs> a couple of days, and then yeah, um, I guess you can get a lot done in two hours. Um, <laughs> just power through it, get a lot done in a few hours, and then rest for a little while, recoup, and then hit it again. Work hard, play hard. Yeah, kind of. I wouldn't recommend that as a philosophy for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I mean, I, you know, I tend to be pretty open, um, just in general, in public about the fact that I'm, you know, uh, not super neurotypical and have several mental health issues. Uh, you know, destigmatize all of that and all that. So, you know, I just, that's just my mode of existence, I think. So I wouldn't recommend if you, if you aren't already prone to like burning out after two hours of doing anything, literally, (laughs) you probably want to be a lot more measured. I don't know. Um, It's just kind of, that's how many hours I have in a day that I be productive, that I can be productive, I guess, but properly productive. I can stretch out, you know, the aura of productivity beyond that a little further, but you know, maybe not the most heartening answer, but yeah, under underemployment helps. And, uh, you know, other than that, it just kind of happens. Yeah. I mean, we all have our own ways of, of tackling our own issues and whether it's a, uh, uh, like you said, neurodivergent, um, basis, or if it's stuff about your own lifestyle. Um, I think we all have, our, our own ways of trying to um, 
adjust and compensate for for ourselves. Yep. Sounds like yep. you've you've figured out your own structure and you're doing pretty well with it. Well, for the moment, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's like trying to deal with just the limitation of the limitations of reality itself. You know, kind of have to the existence is like hacking the 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 concept of reality or whatever. I don't That's know, fair. I'm just making <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah so the grizzle um you describe it uh as a game as old school meets story game and and i'm curious like i i have this itch always for old school um even though i tend to stray from it you know almost exclusively like i barely ever touch it but it's always in the back of my mind so I was wondering what what do you think it is that brings people back to old school type play and and what is the grizzle uh embracing from old school play? Well, yeah, so that one is a that's a little bit of a tough one uh because first of all uh we'd have to have kind of a working definition of old school versus story game and Sure. Um, and then beyond, right? Because um, I, I think that initially when I was working on the Grizzle, uh, I, I think what sparked me wanting to make this specifically was, other than just kind of the general compulsion to keep making systems, um, is, uh, is just like when I found out what Sword, Sword Dream was, um, which is sort of um, talked about as a... Um, uh, I guess kind of a, a spin-off or an extrapolation from old school sensibilities, but then there's all of this very vague um, but very cool and beautiful philosophical slash um, I don't I don't even know I guess ethical attach attachments to that um, because you know I I personally don't. Um, don't necessarily have a lot of experience with like the community or the um, fandom of old school, but I obviously did start my sort of RPG playing, um, uh, I don't know, career, uh, you know, with like a lot of people with uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like second edition um, and stuff like that, which when people talk about old school, they kind of, um, you know, feel like it's, you know, one working definition is that it's games that are rooted in that, those kinds of sensibilities. So I don't, you know, as far as what keeps bringing people back to it, for me, I, uh, you know, and, and again, like I, I, I kind of feel that, uh, that for me, that kind of old school revival or OSR is, is largely about, that sort of unpredictability element and uh it's not i don't necessarily love this idea of gm and players being kind of at odds with each other which sometimes comes up as a as an old school element but but just kind of this idea of like that crunch element of a game providing an engine that drives sort of me the narrative as a mechanical kind of thing that just kind of um, in in the best of cases, uh, in my experience, those two things work together. Um, a lot of times, I do think that that's, you know, that may not happen. Um, 
you know, either at a specific table or, you know, through a specific game. But, but when it does, I think it's, it's kind of beautiful. Um, and uh, just this idea of exploring a world, having your characters set out on an adventure, um, having um, this sort of tension between, you know, what's, what you want to happen, what will happen. Um, I don't know. There's something thrilling about it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as what what is old school about the Grizzle specifically is that is it, it is that engine of crunch uh, that near that uh, it's mild crunch. It's not a, the crunchiest game in the world at all, uh, you know. But it does have your stats and skills and die rolls and um, uh, some rules for you know certain particular kinds of uh, op- obstacles and things. Um, is you know it, it sort of helps generate uh, and move things forward as opposed to creating kind of this combat-heavy war games situation. The rulings, not rules element of, um, of old-school revival is probably my uh, sort of the one, the thing that I hold the most, as, as the most important element of it. Does that make sense? It does. And I think really, like, yeah, the Grizzle has the, you know, the opportunity for the players to sort of um, examine a situation and tell you what they're going to do while picking, you know, I'm going to use this and, and this and this to do this thing. And, um, and the, and the grizzle goes beyond um, old school in a sense of uh, when you do that, you now you say, okay, like describe that to me. What does that look like? And that's where the player gets to sort of really dive into, to the, the role play aspect, which, sometimes but not all the time is missing from from old school uh uh osr yeah i mean old i mean and then again i would lump all a lot of that i mean i think i think people who are specifically kind of familiar with osr and again i don't really know how that community or whatever works or whatnot um so maybe i'm alienating some people by saying that but, um, you know, I think th- that a lot of people who are really interested in OSR philosophy are definitely very interested in narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I do think that, that sometimes that's miss... There's a sort of... Uh, the, the emphasis um, gets lost in translation. And, and then especially if you go straight to, like, D&D, which is supposed to be not even the, you know not even the revival it's supposed to be the kind of one of the sources you know ostensibly uh yeah. of 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 this like uh, of what's being revived if you go straight to that or if you go to pathfinder or something like that and it i don't know what causes it but maybe it's just the way that information is presented or or maybe it's uh, varies from group to group which is probably the case cuz i I'm sure some people have extremely narrative-heavy and extremely kind of um, de-focused on as far as combat goes, uh, campaigns of Pathfinder. But when I was playing in a campaign of Pathfinder, I loved everybody I was playing with. I liked um, the characters themselves. I could it it just didn't feel like there was anything happening besides combat and uh, sort of a turn-based scenarios over and over again, and and nothing was being solved in any other way, really, and if it was, it was the exception, and, you know, 
it, it, I don't know what what it is, but I personally don't love that style of play. I don't necessarily want to begrudge anyone who does. Mm-hmm. Um, right. so, I, so I do kind of want to step away from that element of it, at least. Yeah. Um, so what are the um, actual mechanical th- things that you've adjusted in your system to be able to do that? Right. So, so th- this, gets, this gets into the, you know, the rulings, not rules, and then part of it goes, gets into the story games element of it, right? Um, so one of the things that I tend to do with all of my systems, because they do vary from, you know, very, very crunchy, well, not very crunchy, but pretty crunchy to, like, not crunchy at all, so um, some of them will have uh, will have a lot of like you know rules and stats and and rolls and things like that, and some of them are diceless. Right. Um, but what I tend to do with the ones that do in fact have all of those rules and rolls and so on, which the Grizzle is one of those, um, is I I tend to take kind of that. Uh, it's a little bit of like similar to the powered by the apocalypse approach in that the GM doesn't really roll very much of anything. Um, the players interact with, a, or sort of the player characters interact with the the outside world around them, and all of the interaction interactions are sort of cut from the same basic cloth. So that includes if if they're going to get into a fight, or if they're going to get into an argument, or if they need to um, build a barge, uh, or if they need to. Um, I don't know, sample some pastries uh, for a wedding. I don't know. It all, it all works in the same kind of way. Uh, you, you know, the resolution mechanic is the same. There, is no, there are no special rules for combat, per se. Um, and I kind of tend to keep to that because I just don't necessarily feel like the, that that's my uh, vibe. If that's the word, um, which is not to say that I inherently discourage combat. I just don't necessarily want to give it a privileged position in the design. Right. I think that it's really cool, and and you can correct me if I understand this wrong. But so you've you've broadened how damage can be taken, um, in the sense of like, uh, sorry, you have hit points, and hit points in in all games tend to be described as abstract. But in most games, we tend to think of them as not necessarily very abstract. Um, right. Uh, but um, you're, you're pretty explicit about it. It could be a, a multiple different things that cause you to lose hit points. And um, so, like you said, if you get in an argument and you have like someone who's maybe very intimidating and, and screaming and yelling at you and threatening you, uh, as the Grizzler, I could say, you know, uh, this is, you need to try to resist, uh, like, 2 HP damage uh, because of this intense situation. Is, do I got that right? Yep. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, in a certain sense, I, I de-emphasize combat. In another sense, everything is kind of combat, I guess, uh, or potentially uh, or potentially has combat-like consequences. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so yeah, you got that right, basically. Um, it is, uh, everyone has 10 hit points, period. Um, at least the current design, which is probably going to be the final design minus, you know, minor tweaks here and there, very, you know, it's very close to, Mm -hmm. um, to that. 
in that in that in the current design, everyone has ten hit points. That includes all the player characters, which we call the Z's, short for Grizzies, um, and any NPCs that where it's relevant that they have hit form, hit points. Like it, it generally doesn't matter how many you know what the quote unquote stats are of any NPC because they you know they're really just a set of challenges. Uh, they're not again they're not player characters. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, are they really good at arguing? Then maybe the, the role to argue with them is going to be harder to get a, uh, a full success on. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, hit points can, hit points can uh, essentially represent your emotional state, your physical state, your magical, spiritual, um, you know, um, corpus uh, beyond the, the, the bounds of time and space. Um, your mental kind of fatigue levels of fatigue, whatever it is, um, it all it's all kind of one pot. It's all one thing, and it's you know that's definitely not a simulationist, I guess, but that's on purpose. It's not supposed to be, yeah. Um, it's supposed to be kind of a very yeah abstract concept, and I'm really leaning into the abstraction of that. Um, cool. And you, you find that this is um, a way of streamlining the game? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and also just to avoid this people, people kind of, you know, feeling the need to tack on separate uh, systems. Although they can if they want to, if someone wants to hack it or whatnot. But, I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of things like sanity mechanics or... Well, that's pretty much it, really, is the sanity mechanics. I just, I'm just not a fan um, but if someone really wanted to run cosmic horror or have elements of cosmic horror in this situ- in this kind of uh, in this game, um, and if they were you know being thoughtful about it, hopefully and not like you know gamifying mental illness like you know some certain games do, uh, they could use uh, the same exact HP pool for you know they just witnessed a glimpse of the true reality in the Lacanian sense, you know, beyond the stars or whatnot, and it and it affected them. I personally think humans are much more resilient than maybe H.P. Lovecraft ever gave them credit for. I think, you know, most, most of the time you probably witness a cosmic horror, and then like five minutes later you, you, you would be traumatized to a certain extent, but at the same time um, uh, your mind would probably uh, force you to just keep functioning, because <laughs> it does. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, it's meant to streamline the game. Yes, that's the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, yeah, and it's I I feel it's very useful for things like traveling. You know, normal traveling is fine, but if you want to push yourself, you could push yourself yep. to exhaustion. Um, could same with food, water. Like you have all these things that the game doesn't have to try to find a way to deal with if it's yep. something that can have um, some sort of direct effect on the character you can sort of express that effect with hit point hit points um, yep. which yeah which is something i i think is just really really nice about the game yeah it's it's basically an attempt and I, I think hopefully it can work um of basically taking all of what you're just describing like all of those possible osre kind of things and just lump them into one kind of moving piece so there aren't like twenty of them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I, 
that's that's very much what that's about because it creates uh, the ability for um, both the GM, the Grizzler, uh, and the players to kind of adapt different um, perilous situations to uh, yeah to the same. You can just kind of yeah very very quickly. I I mean, if you have to run for the from the dungeon, you better leave yourself enough room to do it, right? Like it's it's always mm-hmm. going to be a constant consideration. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. Okay, so the Grizzler in this game takes on typical GM roles. However, you explicitly state there's no prep for the Grizzler beforehand. How is this dealt with in the game? Well, yeah, so this is... Um, I can't force anyone to do this, obviously. This, right. I, I mean, in the, in the text, and the text is written in the, you know, in a very weird sort of character voice that I came up with kind of like it's just sort of corny and um it's meant to not be taken take itself very seriously um but in the text it says that gms or grizzlers are specifically and expressly forbidden it's just you know by the laws of the grizzle council or whatever to ever (laughs) prep for a session um and yeah so that's that's obviously a fuzzy area to a certain extent like like even if you weren't you know creating charts and maps and uh, all this other stuff um you would probably if you were planning to be to gm a game in the evening during the day and even the week prior you would probably be coming up with things and thoughts about what you might do if the players do that or if they do this and and maybe if you want to try to steer something in this in the in that direction uh the way that that works in the grizzle is that everyone maybe wants to be doing that um because before you start playing you don't like what i I wanted the game to be weird and or i wanted it to be a, a kind of an engine it's not weird in and of itself maybe but i wanted it to be an engine for creating slightly weirder fantasy stories than maybe your average you know um couple of uh, elves dwarves and humans are hanging out in a tavern and an old elf comes up to them says hey there's a dungeon over there you know the usual thing everyone loves that but it's it is you know that example is very um tried and true uh, but you know, and also away from sort of Tolkien-esque fantasy, which I'm, you know, I find it's fine and whatever. I just I'm bored of it myself personally. Um, and the only way that I could see that being kind of, because again, I can't enforce any of this, right? Um, but the only way I said I, I felt like that could it could for myself when I was designing it. Obviously, there's probably a lot of other solutions the same problem is kind of giving the game an exquisite corpse element um when it came to world building so there is no it's it's a setting it's a settings agnostic game just like some of the other ones that i've made before like spiral is a setting agnostic and genre agnostic universal system but that one's a lot more straightforward it, it's you know it's it's written in a straightforward way. It's very kind of pedagogical in the way it sort of explains the rules and um, and how you can bend those rules and break those rules or hack those rules. Um, and and in this case, I wanted to just kind of give a particular uh, mode of and this is where the story game thing really comes in. Kind of a particular mode of generating uh, genre and setting and all this other stuff 
organically as part of the gameplay. So in the default version of the Grizzle, the reason the GM is not, is not quote-unquote allowed to prep um, is because they don't know the, what kind of game they will be playing until everyone sits down at the table and kind of has a little bit of a session zero discussion about uh, the world. Uh, and then that's kind of where the bits and bobs come, come into play, which is a fun way for me to like pretend like it's a mechanic almost uh, mm-hmm. of like pieces of information uh, that, that come up through play about the world at large. So a player is allowed to play any species they want. For example, um, there is literally like the GM isn't really a, like aside from safety tools, aside from because all of that is, in my view, uh, that takes precedence over anything else. Um, so if someone feels uncomfortable with anything coming up at the table, um, they can veto that right off the bat. They can use the X card and, of course, establish lines and veils and all of that. But aside from that, if you want to play a sentient uh, jar of electricity um, that one of the other player characters carries around with them everywhere they go, if you want to be a vampire or a ghost, if you want to be a mole person, if you want to be... Um, if you know, if you want to be non-corporeal, uh, all of that stuff, uh, and again, that's why that's part of the reason why hit points are so abstract too, and interaction is sort of redu- you know um, kind of abstracted as well. Um, is is yeah, but once you once you've decided that you made your choice for let's say the species of your character, if no, if not everyone is a human or whatnot, uh, that becomes canon in the world, and that becomes a bit or a bob. Within the uh, within the world that you're creating, and then you also have to every time you make a mechanical choice, you have to uh, give it a narrative uh, backing to a certain extent. I can do this because this is true, or I am a um, uh, you know a mole person from the from the city of Dees or whatever, uh, because there there is now a city that that exists that is called that, and I, and there it is, and there are mole people there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? I almost, maybe I forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was kind of um, I was basically asking how you deal with the no prep and and you your yeah, and you explained that well. I mean, I think, and it's explained more in the game how the session zero, like you said, it it establishes the game that will be played. So the GM couldn't prep for that because they don't know what game is going to be played, etc. And, and and I think that it, I don't know if it says it explicitly regarding the rest of the players, I think it kind of does, where it doesn't say you have to all be GMs, but it, it really implies that you all have to take on that work together um, with creating the setting and, and uh, working out how the world uh, is created. Yeah, that that's the intention. Yeah, um, I, there may be I, I I may be clarifying it a little bit as uh, as I go kind of on the la- oh, past the finish line mm-hmm. um, on this because uh, I think that might be one of the things that I that's on my list to have to do things. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of the uh, hopefully the current text uh, gives you know gives an idea of how that kind of works. But basically, the players and the GM are all players. Uh, <laughs> So um, and they and they do they do actually sh- have equal narrative 
agency when it comes to world building most specifically. Now, as far as what's outside of just the world building is you have the actions and the reactions of the individual characters, in which case every player, as is traditional, has uh, agency over what their character says and does and how they react to things and what they try to do. And then how the outside world as a character interacts with the players, that is what the GM gets to decide uh, in the moment. And it's, right. it's, I think it's probably a little bit, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit nerve-wracking for some people to, um, to do that. And I think it, you know, and I don't necessarily uh, want to um, say that you have to be some sort of improv mastermind uh, in order to, uh, to play this. I, I generally do not. Uh, I, I'm not one such myself, um, but you know. But I, th- I do think that that's uh, it's just sort of a different kind of kind of way to play. I guess that that maybe that maybe might be fun sometimes. I don't know if it's you know going to be someone's main squeeze, uh, but I, I you know it's it's uh, an experiment that I definitely wanted to kind of explore. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where it works idea comes in too that's something that story games do occasionally you know um you draw a tarot card and see if if you're having trouble coming up with an idea you can draw a tarot card roll some dice or look at the clouds um you know uh, read the entrails if you're into that if you're into (laughs) horoscopes or whatnot um and 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 see if that creates something in your head and then you can um you know make another bob or make another bit um, and then if you're the GM, toss that bit or that bob at the players in a particular way. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So there's something else that really stuck out for me and it, it's sort of all part of this where you end up building uh, the game together. Um, this can come up and, and in the game you say consistency is trash. And this is in reference to potentially conflicting character or setting ideas proposed by the players. So can you explain what you mean and how the Grizzle asks um, the players to deal with this? Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, the heading consistency is trash. Uh, you, you know, you have obviously a, a, a early copy or a draft copy of the game. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but... Uh, it's probably gonna stay in the final game, so I was I was gonna say like, oh, that might not even be. No, I probably. I mean, I tend to just sort of keep stuff like that in. Um, yeah, so that is a heading of a section uh, that's largely dealing with an element of character creation, uh, but also just general world building stuff that come that arises from that. So uh, that session zero stuff we were talking about earlier, um, and it's kind of about uh, well, it's. In large, in in large part, it's about this kind of problematic, in my opinion, tendency of sort of this. Again, it's a Tolkien slash Lovecraft slash a lot of those sort of um, underpinning um, auteurs of fantasy and horror and genre in general. Um, the an an inherited element of their work is a sort of absolutism about the way culture. Um, works a lot of the time and it's i feel like one of the things that got inherited by dungeons and dragons that's one of its most difficult and problematic to use that 
buzzword, I guess, elements. It's just like, oh, orcs are bad. Orcs are evil. Um, all kobolds do this. All uh, lamias do that. Um, all medusas, <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but even and that's... And, and just like, you know, even with halflings, they're always jolly and eating and stuff like that. Like it, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. It's beyond just the problem with, with, with stereotypes and it's beyond just it being a shorthand. Um, and, you know, like, and obviously people, people at the table often, you know, subvert that in their play. Uh, but you know, I just kind of that section that I wrote specifically about consistency being trash. It's not maybe consistency isn't even the right word, but I think people often make those sort of they, they create those stereotypes or or they they play to type because they feel like that would that would be kind of the justification for it because they feel like it's more quote unquote consistent. Um, and again, you know, it, this is not none of this is universal to anybody. It's just kind of. Um, you know, some of it comes from just my own uh, experience, but like where I where I felt pressured almost by the book to be like, well, either either this is uh, you know I have to play the dwarf stereotype, or I have to very explicitly create this like it's a he's a dwarf or she's a dwarf, and they're you know they're not they're not the typical dwarf though, <laughs> you know, right. and they're like and dwarf culture kind of like if you play. Uh, you know, and again, this 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 bleeds into all sorts of you know genre media. If you play like Dragon Age Inquisition, and they have the character, have you played the Dragon Age Inquisition? I uh, no, I haven't. No. No. Yeah. Well, there's there. You know, they, they, this is a very common trope in like all of them, where they're like, oh, here is an elf, but they hate all the other elves because they're not like the other elves. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. right. So uh, that was sort of part of the reason why. Um, why I made an emphasis on like making sure that like if you're designing a world and you want that world to be interesting, um, you should you 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 can you can definitely when it comes to specifically things like culture, art, politics, religion, food, etc. In that world, um, you don't have to to say like all all X do Y or all this do that uh because that's not how things work in the real world so you're not actually creating a more realistic uh world building fantasy sci-fi whatever situation by kind of playing to that um to that idea so um there especially when it comes to things like species which in you know again very problematically is often referred to as race in uh in role-playing yeah. games, uh, and then, you know, that's a whole can of worms of how bad that can get, um, and how, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I just kind of wanted to definitely try to discourage people from thinking about the concept of, well, it's a fantasy game, so I want to play as, or a sci-fi game, and I want to play as a robot, but I'm going to play Data from Star Trek, because that's, or, or uh, you know, uh, What's the one for Mass Effect? Well, the stereotype robot character. Yeah. So it's like, what are emotions? <laughs> Which is fine. If you want to play that, that's perfectly good. It's a, it, that one is a, is a comparatively, comparatively less harmful trope than a lot of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, um, I mean, it, it still has certain implications that are, um, can be problematic. 
but uh, yeah. but for the most part, you know, like that. Oh, what are what is love? Robot is you know, it's a fun little trope that exists, and it's fun, you know, whatever. But you don't necessarily have to do it that way. You can do one robot that's like that, and another robot with a different uh, mainframe or whatever that's perfectly capable of of, of feeling emotions and how always has been or what whatever. I don't know. Uh, now I'm rambling. That's me. No, and, and uh, I just po- pointed it out because I I really enjoyed that. Um, essentially, you take away someone's power to say you can't do that. For the most part, and I get sometimes yeah. as groups we want to focus our gameplay to a certain style or setting, and that's fine. But but I think um, even with that, in that you you really are at least if someone is saying you can't or I don't think that works, they really have to make sure that that's the case. Like they really yeah. have to sort of express why that's the yeah. case, and it can't just be because because elves don't do that. Yeah, exactly. That in 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 that in those kinds of cases, basically, I've kind of tried to shift the burden of proof, so to speak, onto the 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 kind of the naysayer, but or or basically just say like their naysaying is or naysaying for for world building or storytelling elements should only come down to. Um, like, is this something that I'm comfortable? Well, that's not even naysaying. Essentially, if it's a comfort or safety thing, then that beats everything. Like. If yeah. someone says I I'm not comfortable with with something happening uh, in the story or even some element of world building, we're just not going to do that. Period. And again, uh, that's an element that um, uh, that is handled by safety tools and how you know. Obviously, that's that's an imperfect mechanism, but uh, basically, safety tools always take precedence, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that probably isn't too controversial of an opinion at all. Um, but outside of that, when you're just sort of having fun and, and everything is, you know, and you're just dealing with lore and all the good stuff of, you know, things aren't, um, aren't causing anyone any kind of distress, but it's just like, oh, uh, well, I established that this particular, um, the people from this particular city or this one character that I played from this particular city was like this. So clearly, you know, people from this particular city are like that, and that's not also how cities work so yeah that's the idea the idea is to outside of safety safety mechanics create a lot of space for like yes and as opposed to no uh you can't you know yeah Um, yeah absolutely yeah yeah. um and even no but you know no but it can be okay no but this right uh but and that's usually something that GMs have to do. Like, no, but you can do that. And I kind of want to almost uh, reduce the no um, outside of safety elements as much as possible. Um, yeah. 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 Does that make, does that make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I bring these up because I'm like, oh, I like that. It's something I want to express in, in my games. And so I'm getting you to explain it because it's your game. But I totally agree <laughs> with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so something else. Uh, so characters can't die without player consent. So yeah. if HP is dropped to zero, uh, what are some other possible outcomes? 
Well, again, this, this comes down to that the uh, mechanics being an engine for telling stories as opposed to, um, you know, simulating something faithfully. So, um, yeah, what, what ends up happening uh, if your HP drops to zero is, um, like in a lot of uh, games, you generally make like a, a roll to, to resist. Uh, you, you enter into a state of crisis, right? And you make a roll to resist something, like a saving throw almost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you succeed, you have partial successes, failures, and full successes. I believe, and, and again, granted, I wrote this game, but I may be getting bits wrong here and there because mm-hmm. it, it got a little big. Uh, but I believe you've got to. You know, if you've succeeded the role, you, you're fine and you can just kind of stabilize and, you know, you're just incapacitated for a while. Uh, and if you um, have a partial failure or a full fa- failure, you gain uh, a, um, a debility of some kind. Uh, so basically a, an ongoing um, type of, uh, well, I guess a bu- it's like a small bundle of penalties, right, um, that you can't just heal from um, just going to going to have a have a rest, you know, because um, you you still get all your full HP back every time you have, you know, you go take a nap or whatnot, like kind of that old, you know, in in the old old school sort of Dungeons Dragons y tradition, you know, um, yeah, you know, rest at the end and you get your ten HP back, but if you um, had just suffered a grievous uh, embarrassment, let's say, or a wound. Uh, in the more traditional mold or whatever, and and you know you had fallen to zero, you know HP previously, and kind of ended up getting um, an infection or whatever it is. That's not just going to go away um, when your HP comes back. So you may you may uh, suffer penalties um, to your roles um, in a particular sort of area, physical roles if you have a physical uh, issue, um, you know. Uh, magical roles, if you have, or whatever the case may be, uh, and and that and getting rid of those generally will require you to do something, um, and that can be as simple as you know getting some, um, uh, you know taking several days off of rest if you just kind of have a disease or whatever or like you know a cold, let's say not disease is too broad a term that could be anything. Um, but I kind of wanted to encourage people within the the text as well to say like, well, okay, so if if this if this debility um, is just sort of a simple one, then you know, role play a little scene of you going to the drugstore and picking up the antibiotics or whatever. And uh, if it's something a little bit more complex, uh, maybe someone cast a curse on you. Maybe. Um, you know this particular. You know this is a su- such a grievous wound. Then they, there's not enough. Um, there's not enough. You know medical supplies in a town you're in and whatnot. Try to make a quest out of it. You know to get rid of that penalty. Um, right. Yeah, well, you could ostensibly keep it for you know or keep some ver- version of it, converting it to some uh, to a different kind of narrative. Um, descriptor but keep some kind of version of it for the rest of the game if you want but if you want to get rid of it you got to perform there has to be uh, some kind of action happening in the story and it should it can be simple or it can be complex um, but it has to be something right right um, but yeah I mean I could lose my leg from the knee down and it 
there might be a whole situation where, you know, I need a peg leg made or whatever. And, um, and once it's done, it's done. Once I've gone either done the quest or done the work to fix it, it's fixed, but I still have this narrative peg leg that, you know, affects how, how my, how my story proceeds, even though it doesn't affect me anymore as a character, although it would for the time that I I didn't have it dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of like the, the way that those are handled are um, again, relatively abstract. There's, there's those mechanical penalties and whatnot and how, what they mean in a story in in and of itself can be, um, can be pretty much anything that makes sense to you and your group. Um, because like I said before, you could ostensibly play a character, um, you know, that may not necessarily be ambulatory, you know, um, in the traditional sense, or you can play a ghost or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. or, an, and, and that can be a little bit tricky for sure. Um, but uh, basically, that's kind of where the negotiation between the grizzle, the grizzler, and the 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 the, grizzle, the grizzies, uh, the player characters, comes into play. Like, how does you know what is the narrative positioning for this character to do this or that? That's always going to be um, kind of where that action happens. How does this get done? But anyone can try. You know, like you're clearly going to be some sort of sapient character, uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you could probably play, like, a dog or something, like, like you know, say, you know, maybe sentient versus sapient is, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, so, but that's, that's beside the point. That's a different matter altogether. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what, was, what was the, oh, yeah, the, the abilities thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just wanted to, I, I know you actually have a list of some sort of general, generic, like, you know, lose this uh, ability or take a penalty to this. But I like yeah. how you explain it. Like, those exist within the game structure for uh, mechanical use, but it's it's sort of on the players to create the narrative yeah. around that. And what does it, why did you uh, lose, like, one strength or whatever? or And how are you going to get back type of thing? Yeah, and and the the way that like what HP in and of itself represents, right, is is your character as they are, as they sort of uh, exist in the world, at their kind of able to function uh, at their current level of what 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 peak capacity means to them. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, and 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 I think that I, that's actually kind of universal for HP in most cases. Um, uh, in Spiral, again, which was my other universal system, I actually got rid of HP per se um, altogether, and everything was, a, like, all of your uh, stats were actually your HP. So every time you suffer damage or fatigue, you would, like, lose a bit of your fortitude or finesse. And that's that kind of simulates or models um, the, you know... Um, that same idea, but it kind of models that you know your peak is is sort of constantly in flux. Um, right. In this case, it, it, this is meant to be. It's still kind of a crunchier than um, kind of an average story game. It's still got got a lot of that. Uh, it, you got the the uh, stats and skills and die rolls and HP. 
but it is intended to be a bit more um, streamlined, as I mentioned before, and like Spiral is, I am very proud of it. Uh, it's it's good, and um, maybe I don't, I think. Uh, I try to be positive about my work when I can. Uh, but, you know, it, it that you have to be coming into that one uh, if you're going to be playing Spiral with an expectation of having to do a bit more maintenance, dealing with a bit more number crunching, um, remembering, like, where you lost all of these different points. It's, it's you know, I, less accounting, essentially, is, uh, right. is how this works uh, in, in, in large part. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, I, I think there's a good balance in what you have here, and I think... Uh... I think I'm going to try playing this with a couple of people at home. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the finished product when it comes out. Um, yeah, thank you. What, yeah, what really excites you about getting a finished game in front of more people? Oh, I mean, it's um, that's that's a tough question. Uh, I it, weirdly enough, it's it, it, it is it's one of the tougher ones. Uh, well, uh, there kind of nothing beats having some finish something right um yeah and nothing beats having that in well i mean it's been a very long time and i'm one of the things that i'm excited about for the grizzle is specifically is that it is in the zine quest situation place thing festival of zines um so it uh there's there's an expectation at least if the if the kickstarter funds um that there will be a physical product of some kind and Mm -hmm. uh that's just it's been ages since i've done something that had a physical thing you can hold in your hands and i'm really excited for just having that um be a thing um having some something with like because this that that would allow me to have art in like proper in you know i have a um a degree in visual art, but most of my games actually, when I put them out on uh, in PDF form, um, they have, I think, a pretty decent, if straightforward, layout. I, I you know, I've done a, quite a bit of graphic design in my time as well. Um, I think that all that, that all that is fine, but I, I, I usually either paint or design and what I find to be or hope to be a nice cover for them, because I kind of have to do everything all of it most of the time because i can't really afford to hire anyone and you know uh thankfully i can kind of do a lot of things but uh and music is one thing that i'm really not not at all versed in but thankfully tabletop role-playing games don't need music yeah uh so just having that art in there and having it be just this kind of holistic kind of object even the pdf you know, having a little bit more pizzazz to it in this particular case is just going to be nice. Uh, I'm just, you know, it's it's just a pleasant, just a yeah. cool, a cool, pleasant feeling to have that, like, a role-playing book in your hands that you made. Um, in my, I mean, that that would be probably might be a first for me, actually, because I think in the past when I've done physical products, it's been, like, actually, it's like zines, but they've been, like, poetry, um... You know, uh, chat books or um, or a literary magazine. I did once, um, so you know something like that. But it's that feeling. Yeah, I really get that feeling. Um, in when I made Cut to the Chase, I was I was always happy that people would play it, and I was happy that people would have the experience. But there was like this thing about 
like having it in my hands, like right from the beginning, the design for me always incorporated a, a final hard copy. And, and that was just, it, I felt like it was the peak of my expression of the, the art, like the PDF is fine. Yeah. The, the game itself is an aspect of the arm of the art. That's fine. But the completed product, the completed art was the book. Like, so if, yeah, if anyone has my game, hopefully they have the book. Cause I feel that will give them the most enjoyment, but maybe not, but you know, but that's what I, I hope. They're just they're just nice to hold, right? I mean, it's it's just a, like a it's a it's nice. It's just really good. Um, and and we can, and obviously I do like I'm not you know I I I like when people play the games, and I, apparently sometimes people do play my games, which is always nice to learn. Um, you know, it, it does happen. Uh, <laughs> but you know, but I, but I but it's one of those things that I can't control whereas having like even when i just do the pdfs just having that finished um you know properly formatted and 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 the book is takes it to a whole other level when you can hold it in your hands it's a whole other level but like even on the pdf level it's for me just in the moment when i finish it at least it's some kind of reward you know i don't necessarily always know if anyone's gonna ever see it or play it uh, or if they do play it, I have no idea if they're going to like it or not or what. Those are things that are a little bit outside of my control. But then having that, and, and, and it's not that I don't want to necessarily denigrate that element of it. And it's just absolutely wonderful to have, you know, community and have people who are interested in your work and people who enjoy a piece of your work. And that's always extremely, extremely gratifying when it happens. Um, it's just that that's, you know, I, I can't make that happen, you know, necessarily. It's just sometimes you kind of have, uh, have to let the universe, um, come to you, I guess, in that, in that sense. Whereas looking at the finished artifact, it's just a nice little reward for me in that moment, I guess. Absolutely. No, I completely understand that feeling. And that's that's legitimate like i mean i don't think i think um a lot of times the people who play our games don't think about that uh which is fine but that's just something for us for for you know finishing our work we get that little celebration that that little extra yeah Mm -hmm. it's a nice treat (laughs) yeah just for you you know yeah yeah um it's a good it's good it's a good vibe it's a good feeling yeah yeah um that sort of wraps up the what i have written down here do you have anything else to add on mark um no i think it would just be to to give a last little summary of if uh i'm on the fence about whether or not to pick this game and i'm listening to the podcast um what's your your quick sales pitch for why i should buy the grizzle Oof, I yeah. So I'm not good at those. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, it's it's a game that works uh, because all games kind of do. But uh, um, <laughs> it's just it's just a, one of the things I put in the, in my features. I think um, is like towards the very end. It's like it's a fun game, folks. That's uh, <laughs> I have all the actions, all the mechanics and and stuff. Um, you know, like the you know 
simple uh, resolution mechanic and blah blah blah. But then at the end, it's just like a bullet point because it's a fun game. Get it? Uh, so that's that's my <laughs> that's the extent of, of of my marketing capabilities, uh, really. Um, but uh, it's it's a fun it's a fun game. It's it's made with uh, I think unlike some of the things I make, which occasionally i try to i get i get a little uh, lyrical and a little serious and a little bit um you know didactic even or whatnot this one is uh, probably my my attempt to just have as much fun as i can uh designing something and nice. make it as as funky and weird and maybe a little bit silly as I can. And if that's, uh, and, you know, the exquisite corpse thing, if that's kind of your uh, vibe, if you like the collaborative element of of story games, but you kind of want to see how that might work with a little bit more crunch, um, check it out. Um, that's probably the most concise I can make it. That's awesome. I guess I'll, we'll just have to check it out to really get the, the full experience too, so... Yeah, that's great. I think you should check it out. It is on Kickstarter right now. Um, it's uh, close to fun- very close to funded. We're at 84 percent, mm-hmm. and um, we are going to get this episode out as soon as we can. So hopefully, some of our listeners uh, will get a chance to to listen before uh, and get to it uh, before it's done. But it cool. is done on February eighteenth at uh, three fifty Pacific, so six fifty. Uh, Eastern, I've backed it, and I think I think for this little thing, it's it's a it's a good deal. Yeah, nice. yeah. It's uh, you know five bucks is uh, the you get the PDF. I think ten dollars you get the PDF and you get uh, the draft, so you can pretty much play it right away, even if it's not the final version. And it's kind of just going to be a Google Doc, basically. Um, right. And the fifteen is you also get the physical version when that releases. Um, yeah. Um, I guess I, one more thing just regarding that, if, do you Mm -hmm. expect that, um, like a print copy will eventually be available on drive through RPG? I think so. I mean, if I'm, if I, uh, you know, if I end up going through all the trouble of making them, I might as well make them much more widely available. Um, um, so, you know, uh, that may be a bit later. So honestly, the main kind of draw of, of, it coming through the Kickstarter is that the the first uh, you know first order of business is to make sure that all the backers get them you know yeah absolutely and 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 then try to figure out and you know it's possible that I might just have to go through drive throughs POD uh, considering how I kind of scope creeped and it got a little big um, <laughs> comparatively speaking for a zine uh, yeah you know I might have to go through their POD anyway so we'll we'll have to see. Um, how that goes but yeah there'll probably be a version available post um kickstarter just a bit later that's cool um yeah so how can uh, listeners find you online um i am uh, at uh a l e k s underscore s uh on twitter my name is alex but it's not spelled how you think it's spelled um it's spelled <laughs> with a k s not an X, so you can just think of the KS replacing the X. Um, so A L E K S underscore S is my Twitter. Uh, my itch is uh, the Alex dot itch dot I O, um, and uh, 
again, the Alex, the, the definitive article uh, with the same spelling, and then dot itch, I-T-C-H dot I-O. Um, and uh, I mean, you can probably find most of the rest of my links or whatever through one of those two things. Um, yeah, awesome. No, well, yeah. Uh, I think we can include those with the the uh, show notes. Yeah, the show notes. Okay, great. Well, right. thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, I Having look you. forward to playing this game. Yeah, thank you. All right, good night, everyone. Thank you for listening, and uh, have a good night because it is always night when you are listening. <laughs> good night, everyone. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, or not, we're not picky, leave us a review on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and uh, and Pornhub. Because why not? Gotta go where your audience is, right? Good night, everyone. <laughs>